Hi, hello, and welcome back to Absolutely Thriving with me, your host, Charlotte. Hope everyone is doing well. So, where am I at? I am genuinely thriving at the moment, which we absolutely love to see. (laughs) I think I've said this for the past couple of episodes, but I have such a strong balance between work and having fun and it's just making me feel so much better about my life obviously to some people I probably have a weird balance and not even a balance because I do work quite a lot but for me this setup is optimal this year was the first time in a long while that I celebrated Halloween even though Halloween is probably like ages ago now because you know I'm recording this a week early so like it's just been Halloween but it's actually been quite a while when I upload this (laughs) sorry um but yeah I never really celebrate Halloween but I did this year and I had so much fun I went out with my friends and I literally just had such a volleyball time in Shoreditch, which is one of my favourite pockets of London. So my life is just pretty good right now. Effectively, my schedule is Monday to Wednesday, I have work as a care assistant, as I have been saying, and it's like a seven hour shift, so it's not too much. Then Thursday and Friday, I have basically free to do what I want. So typically I have like all of my appointments and admin and just like random stuff to do um and I do a lot of cleaning on Friday and I'll be starting my volunteering soon as well on Friday then Saturdays I spend most of Saturday doing hospitality work and then going out in the evening um there are occasional weekends that I don't do hospitality mainly just when my boyfriend comes around lol um and hospitality just seems so easy now that I'm working as a care assistant. Um, so yeah, I just go out after that. So I'm exhausted and quite sleep deprived on a Sunday. But I spend the day just like chilling out, doing very little, seeing my friends. And yeah, life's just pretty good, really. Um, as per usual, as I said, I'm recording this in advance. But this week is last week for you listening. <laughs> and today... I am going to my first post-lockdown concert. I'm seeing Lolo Parks, who is one of my absolute favourite artists of all time, and I cannot express how excited I am. I'm going with my old sister and a couple of her friends, and it's just going to be so fun. And she's just such a talented musician, and just her voice is literally like, listening to like milk and honey like that is the equivalent like it just it's oh she's just so talented so I cannot wait for that and I'm also feeling quite a lot better about just like my financial situation because I tend to stress quite a lot about money (laughs) but obviously now that I have two streams of income I'm feeling much more secure now I have to disclaim that I have no real reason to stress about money I still live at home, so I'm not paying bills or anything, but I always want to make sure that I'm spending less than I'm earning, which I think is quite a good general philosophy in life anyway. Um, And I also want to make sure that I can go travelling without having to worry about the fact that I'm not working and also just have like a decent amount of money that 
I can travel and not feel like restricted in what I can do. Like obviously I don't want to spend a ridiculous amount of money and I will be budgeting but I don't want to feel worried about money the whole time if that makes any sense. But yeah that's enough of my relationship with money. Essentially I'm just a control freak and I just worry about anything that I can control. Um, But yeah anyway top line I'm feeling good and let's just hope it continues. (laughs) So on to today's subject of conversation. We're going to talk about body image and all things body positivity, body neutrality, sort of unpacking a lot of stuff in that sort of realm. I think no matter your age, race, sexuality, like insert any descriptor here, I think we've all struggled with body image at some point in our lives. It's something that I'm pretty passionate about which is why I've kind of waited a bit before talking about it because I kind of wanted to collate my thoughts and just sort of make sure that I cover everything in the way that I've envisioned and just make sure that it's like it hits all the sort of points that I want to which is most definitely my perfectionism talking um so yeah without further ado let's just get straight into it and I hope you enjoy. So, body image. Essentially, all it is is a person's thoughts, feelings, and perception of the aesthetics or sexual attractiveness of their own body. And so we all have it. And it is, as with everything in life, it lies on a spectrum. On the sort of most severe end will be sort of bodily hatred in the middle will be body neutrality and sort of body positivity as well I think and on the furthest end will be active love of the body now some people may argue that body love is body positivity but I actually disagree but I'll be getting into that later so for now you can just keep that in mind as I discuss everything so the incentive to talk about body image actually came to me a couple of weeks ago but as I said I've kind of been putting it off because I had other things to talk about as well and I just wasn't quite sure the direction that I wanted to take this episode but you may or may not remember because it is now quite a few weeks ago and it's quite like a niche aspect of media like it wasn't headline news or anything but a radio presenter who I think was on LBC or Radio 2 I can't remember so don't quote me on that um but this male presenter publicly body shamed Tilly Ramsey who's Gordon Ramsay's daughter um because she was on I think she's on Strictly or she was on like a cooking show or something I'm not 100% sure again I probably should have researched this a bit more but alas here we are that's not the point the point is he body shamed her because he made comments on the fact that she was chubby and like made reference to she must have a lot of her dad's cooking or something And basically was just generally very insensitive. But the sad thing is this is nothing new. Because throughout the history of media, both online and sort of paper media, shall we say, people have been continually body shamed. Whether that's in a magazine commenting on a woman's ageing or someone being ridiculed on social media. And it's such a toxic philosophy to hold. Like this idea that you have to look a certain way in order to be considered attractive. 
it's no wonder that we're all so self-conscious of our appearance. Because we observe other people's sort of downfall when their physiques are scrutinised. And for a lot of people, we'll probably have experiences that make us feel like our body is in some way not good enough. So let's talk about my relationship with body image. Um, Brace yourselves, because there's quite a lot to unpack here. (laughs) I first experienced bad body image, I think, when I was about 10 or 11. I'm naturally a very tall, sort of thin person. And I've always attached a lot of self-worth to my body which I think stems from the fact that I was frequently complimented for my body and my appearance when I was young. Now, when I hit puberty, I became acutely aware of my body. I think because I could see that my body was changing and developing into a more feminine physique, which obviously is kind of the point of puberty and is a very normal, natural thing to happen. Um, But I think just a few comments from family members might have sort of heightened my awareness, shall we say, of my body. And so as a result, I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment about my body from then onwards. In addition, I think as time went on, I became more and more conscious of sort of how skinny I was. Because I felt that thinness was my identity and that my worth was contingent on that. And I didn't understand like how I could be attractive or even worthy of anything without being skinny. But obviously another point of puberty is that you gain weight. And so I was not as skinny as I was when I was 10. <laughs> obviously. But it was from this that I learnt to hate my body because I was no longer as sort of small as I once was. However, none of this sort of affected my relationship to food um, until I was about 14, um, which was kind of triggered by a somewhat traumatic experience, which basically just fueled the desire to change my body and sort of arose as a coping mechanism for channeling a lot of my anxiety which led me down a rather dismaying route of diet restriction and overexercise. and I became very obsessed with eating healthily which is known as orthorexia and this also spiralled into an acute awareness of calories and not eating enough and again like exercising too much. But I'm doing better now. I'm not 100% fully healed, but I'm not going to get into it because it's not a food episode. Um, But all I'm saying is that I resented my body for so long because it wasn't quite how I wanted it to look. And I didn't respect it and I felt in some way defective. But as I said, I'm working on it now. And while sometimes it's hard because I'm still in the process of sort of weight restoring, if you will. Um, it's definitely gotten better, but anyway, that's enough about me. (laughs) I'd also just quite like to quickly touch on body dysmorphia, actually, um, because I feel like it gets brushed under the carpet quite a lot, but I know that quite a lot of people 
relate just through conversations that I've had with a range of different people. So body dysmorphia, if you don't know, it's a mental health condition where you spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about your appearance. And a lot of the time it presents itself as not knowing what you actually look like. So thinking that you're either bigger or smaller than you actually are. And it's actually an incredibly distressing thing to experience. And I feel like if you haven't experienced it, you can't fully quite imagine just how distressing it is. It effectively means that you just use every opportunity available to examine your body in order just to try and figure out what it actually looks like. So you spend hours looking in every reflective surface, sort of overanalyzing every photo, just trying to figure out whether or not you can accept the body that you have based on the size that it is. But because you can't figure out how big your body is or how small or whatever, you can't accept your body. So it's kind of like this ongoing circle that just never seems to end. And that's very much the place that I'm currently in. Obviously, all clothes are going to fit differently, so they'll make your body look completely different. Every reflective surface is at a different angle and will have different amounts of light. And so you just will never know what you look like, and it's just exhausting. It's something that affects so many people, whatever the body shape and size. I know boys who are extremely self-conscious over their muscle definition and not knowing quite what their body looks like and girls who can't quite see like how skinny they are so just know if you're struggling you're not alone because a surprising amount of people can relate so why do we all hate our bodies (laughs) effectively as i mentioned before it's because of the ever-evolving beauty standards that attempt to glorify a certain body type meaning that people feel inclined to pursue a certain look. Obviously, it's not the only contributor towards bad body image, but I think it definitely instills a level of pressure that everyone, consciously or unconsciously, strives towards in order to be accepted by society. Body image issues can also stem from things like trauma, in its very many facets such as family comments or fixation on body size, generational trauma, sexual trauma, physical trauma, emotional trauma. You get the picture. (laughs) A book that I really recommend if you want to learn more about beauty standards and how flawed they are is The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. I'm going to just summarise it quickly and read a bit of her introduction to set the scene. So, This is directly from the book. The more legal and material hindrances women have broken through, the more strictly and heavily and cruelly images of female beauty have come to weigh upon us. During the past decade, women breached the power structure. Meanwhile, eating disorders rose exponentially and cosmetic surgery became the fastest growing specialty. Pornography became the main media category ahead of legitimate films and records combined. 
and 33,000 American women told researchers that they would rather lose 10 to 15 pounds than achieve any other goal. More women have more money and power and scope and legal recognition than we have ever had before. But in terms of how we feel about ourselves physically, we actually may be worse off than our unliberated grandmothers. And Wolf also posits the idea of this Iron Maiden. And if you don't read much philosophy or you just haven't read much sort of feminist philosophy, like Simone de Beauvoir does the same thing. She creates this idea of an Iron Maiden, which is just basically a metaphor that she draws out all of her ideas through. It's very effective as a vehicle, but anyway, (laughs) not the point. And this idea of an Iron Maiden, it's basically an intrinsically unattainable standard that is then used to punish women physically and psychologically for their failure to achieve and conform to it. So Wolf criticises the fashion and beauty industries as being exploitative of women, but claims that the beauty myth extends into all areas of human functioning. She writes that women should have the choice to do what we want with our faces and bodies and having that autonomy without being punished by an ideology that is using attitudes, economic pressure and even legal judgments regarding women's appearance to undermine us psychologically and politically. Wolf argued that women were threatened by the beauty myth in five areas, work, religion, sex, violence and hunger. And she effectively overall argues for relaxation of normative beauty standards. But her book is amazing. So honestly, anyone and everyone should read it because she just writes in such an effortlessly comprehensible way and I think her ideas are very just accessible to be honest and also just very true so she essentially just hits the nail on the head in every way because beauty standards keep us from self-acceptance and trapped in the idea that a woman has to be beautiful in order to be worthy but beauty is subjective and The standards of beauty vary so much decade to decade and culture to culture. And when we all have different bodies anyway, it's impossible to fit the criteria for the majority of people. I think that's especially indicative of nowadays because we have this sort of slim thick ideal, which is arguably one of the most difficult to obtain because it's dependent on having enough body fat to have curves and sort of store fat in like your bum and your boobs and your thighs but little enough to have a small waist and so this expectation is everywhere just the fact that we feel like we have to be sexy and look right is so toxic there are so many more important things to worry about other than our appearance yet we can't escape it we can't fully embrace ourselves because we're all so bogged down by all of this And Wolf also makes such a valid point that the media treats men and women so differently. A man is allowed to age and become like a silver fox, like Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio. Old men are still present in film and TV and are kind of, they show up unapologetically old and they're just accepted. Whereas women who are older pretty much completely disappear from the media or if they are present they're expected to have 
plastic surgery or wear tons of makeup just to preserve that sort of youthful glow the double dust standards are just sickening i just can't and all anti-aging products are aimed at women not men and it's just yeah the injustice is just unreal so yes we may have legal rights but we're still treated very differently by society okay feminism run over <laughs> let's talk body positivity I think body positivity is actually quite misunderstood because body positivity as a movement originated as a social movement focused on the acceptance of all bodies, regardless of size, shape, skin tone, gender and physical abilities, while challenging present day beauty standards as an undesirable social construct. Proponents focus on the appreciation of the functionality and health of the human body instead of its physiological appearance. Basically, it's a space created for marginalised bodies in order to gain the respect and acceptance that they've been denied for decades. And I think it's important that we remember the endeavours of these fat, queer, black women and femmes when talking about body positivity. Because at the end of the day, body positivity is a political movement. It's not just about loving yourself and your imperfections, which is thing, which is what I think nowadays is sort of the mainstream narrative. Now I'm all for embracing yourself and your body, but if you already occupy a thin body, and I'm not talking like supermodel thin, just a size that doesn't create limits and obstacles for you in society, um, such as like being taken seriously by doctors and not just them telling you to lose weight, finding clothes that fit you, and just like being able to fit into chairs on planes and so many other things. You have to be aware of your thin privilege. And there's no room for fat phobia around here. Please don't get me started on obesity being a health risk and you just caring about the health of fat people because you don't. You're just fat phobic and you can leave. The exit is over there. So if you disagree with me, bye. Okay, everyone that's prejudice is hopefully gone, so let's continue. The majority of body positivity that I see on social media, especially nowadays, is centered around cultivating self-love and respect for your body. That's a really important thing because it can help people to work through their insecurities and just actually normalize normal bodies. (laughs) And ultimately we all do deserve to love ourselves and our bodies. We all deserve that happiness and ability to just show up every day not hating ourselves. I think that's the strongest argument for body positivity. And it's actually made in the book The Body Is Not An Apology, which is so good if you want to read more about body positivity and just the process of developing it. But I think that, as I've been saying, there's been a bit of a shift in the body positivity movement in that it's been co-opted by a lot of normal-sized white women sort of showing their fat rolls and cellulite. I'm not denying that there is a time and a place for that because we're all insecure and we're taught that these things about our bodies are wrong. But I think it's important to always signal back to the political aspect of body positivity because it's about driving a systemic change. Not just for the women with rolls of cellulite when they're in an unflattering 
in brackets lighting or sort of positioned in a certain way sitting down but it's for everybody so everybody needs to be represented and I think sometimes this sort of thin shall we say body positivity movement overlooks that because some people have roles just walking around existing not just when they bend themselves over some people look bloated the whole time not just after eating and I think this awareness is definitely improving but I think it's just important to bear in mind I think in a way it's also quite a cathartic process in realizing that respecting your body and by respecting your body you can be an ally to a movement which focus on equality for all bodies by not succumbing to societal expectations you can advocate for a cause that's worth fighting for which I think is a very beautiful thing and it's not an overnight change I for one can testify to the fact that the majority of my days are spent hating my body and wishing that it looked different but I will forever advocate for the acceptance of all bodies and continue to try to shift my perspective on my body and my perception of beauty because it's not our fault that we've been brainwashed into treating one body size as the definition of beauty but it is our job to unlearn all of that prejudice and try to change the narrative now this might be a little bit random but from everything that I've just said I feel like you could potentially apply the logic that everyone with an eating disorder is therefore fat phobic which I'm just going to break down really quickly and to an extent yes there will be some internalized fat phobia because we're all internally a bit fat phobic until we actively go about erasing that from our brains but I want to just have a bit of a discussion about that concept so in short as per usual it depends some people with an eating disorder will be fat phobic but others won't be And this is because there are such a variety of reasons as for why people develop an eating disorder. Could be from trauma, it could be a form of control, could be family pressure, could just be genetic, or it could just be a combination of things. To say that everyone with an eating disorder is fat phobic just misses the mark. Also, a lot of eating disorders aren't even concerned with being thin such as binge eating disorder, afrid, pika, osfed. You can look up any of these if you want to know more, but the point is is that not everything is purely about thinness. And I think it's more that recovery is made more difficult by having to gain weight in a society that preaches weight loss and puts it on a pedestal of success. A lot of the time, people with eating disorders don't apply any of their thoughts on their body towards anyone else anyway. They're often very compassionate and accepting people. I tell you now, people with eating disorders are not worrying about your body because they are far too preoccupied with their own to even acknowledge yours. I don't know if you think this is relevant, but I just want to disclaim before there's any ambiguity over the implications of what I said um, because that's quite an important subject for me so as i've been saying our society is inherently fat phobic and there's a lot of fear 
surrounding being fat, which is understandable because fat people are treated appallingly by society. But fatness is not something to be feared. It's just a descriptor, just like any other, such as calling someone thin, tall, short, athletic. Our bodies are all different because we have different genetics. Your body is not solely determined by the exercise that you do or the food that you eat. Our bodies are just existing and are trying to keep us alive. They don't care how thin we are. I'm just going to give a quick example. I actually eat a lot of food (laughs) because I have to, obviously, in order to gain weight. But even when I'm not actively gaining weight, I still eat what I would consider quite a large amount of food because I am tall, pretty active and have a fast metabolism. Even though like low-key old metabolisms don't really differ that much, but a sign of having a fast metabolism, I'm pretty sure, is just getting hungry all the time, which I definitely do. (laughs) So I'm continually eating throughout the day. But I have friends who have completely different body sizes to me and eat half what I do because their body is just different. I, for one, could never go without breakfast because I would literally starve and be hangry and awful. But I have a friend who rarely eats breakfast and just is fine. And neither is wrong or right. It's just about knowing your body and what you need to do to survive. Even if we all ate the same and worked out the same, we would still have completely different bodies. So even if you do Alexis Wren's ab workout every day and eat like her, you won't look like her. Because your body is yours and it doesn't have a moral value or any sort of worth contingent on its size. It's just existing and is intrinsically good because everyone's bodies are good. They're just keeping us alive and healthy, which is just their job. (laughs) Your purpose on this earth is not to be thin. Your purpose on this earth is whatever you want it to be. And your body is honestly the least interesting thing about you. So, yeah. (laughs) That was kind of deep. So, I'll just quickly discuss body positivity versus body neutrality. Because it's quite an interesting debate. And obviously it's a completely personal choice. But... I'm going to just touch on why body neutrality might be an easier target to work towards. Body neutrality promotes expect... uh, I can't talk. Body neutrality promotes acceptance, that's the word I wanted to use, of your body as it is. Encouraging you to recognise its abilities and non-physical characteristics over its appearance. So the movement aims to decentralise the body as an object by challenging the myth that the way you look dictates your worth. This appears far more accessible if you've spent your entire life hating your body. And it also takes away the power that your body holds over you. Because it's just your body. It's not being praised or critiqued. It's just there as... A facilitator I guess for you to live your life and I think it's quite a liberating philosophy to live your life by because it's not saying that you have to love every part of yourself but it's about knowing that you're not defined by your insecurities or what your body looks like 
it's just giving the authority back to your character and your soul, which I think is very effective. Because while we deserve to love every part of ourselves, it's actually really hard and not entirely necessary to respect your body the way that it deserves. And body positivity, as we've said, is a political movement. So occupying a thin body, but striving towards body neutrality almost creates a differentiation and just creates space for other people to be accepted, which is ultimately what we all want. So I'm going to start to wrap this up in a second, but I just want to briefly talk about things that I would recommend you do in order to cultivate a more positive body image. So the first thing that I think is quite helpful is to find ways and different forms of exercise that actually make you feel good. Because obviously exercise is a very powerful thing. It releases a lot of serotonin and it's just good for your health in general. In most scenarios, obviously there are some, but I'm not getting to that now because this episode is already getting long. But yeah, exercising in ways that actually make you feel good. And it doesn't have to be a glamorous or Instagrammable <laughs> way of movement. Like you don't have to do yoga and Pilates or even though I love yoga and Pilates, highly recommend. Um, it could just be cycling or just whatever feels good and natural to you because again it's reinforcing that sort of body neutrality of looking at what your body can do and what it's capable of. Another thing I'd recommend is unfollowing people who make you feel bad about your body. Now this has been such an essential part of my recovery because I used to glamorise certain people's bodies so much and just stalk them all the time which would just make me feel bad about my own body so by unfollowing them you just get their images off your feet and it's just nice (laughs) so yeah do that (laughs) another thing is I'd say to wear clothes that you actually feel comfortable in because by wearing things that actually make you feel okay about your body you're not going to be so hyper focused on what you look like because if you're wearing something uncomfortable you're just more acutely aware of your body because like I know for example if you wear shoes that are too small and are like rubbing all you can think about are the shoes and it goes in every way for whatever you're wearing so yeah do that (laughs) am I gonna finish every point that I have but just yeah do it (laughs) probably I think as well reading about the subject is quite helpful because it almost intellectualizes your problems and I know for me just the way my brain works it likes to see actual like fact and literature on things so a few books that I'd recommend is The Body's Not an Apology which I talked about before obviously The Beauty Myth Um, Body Positive Power is also really good and More Than a Body if you want something on body neutrality that's really good journaling as well and sort of figuring out where your body image issues stem from if you're a pragmatic person and like to understand your own psychology you can analyze yourself it's really fun i think through this process as well it makes it much more overt to you when people are being fat phobic and you can start sort of picking other people up on it which again is like reinforcing the idea that our bodies are just our bodies and we don't have to be thin to be worthy. (laughs) Another thing is trying to remove triggers. So whether that's 
constantly looking at yourself in reflective surfaces if you have like a mirror in your room you could cover it up or setting boundaries with people who trigger you so by doing that you could just ask not to discuss weight or food or body stuff um and if they don't respect that boundary you can try and distance yourself obviously it's hard with family but there are ways of doing it you just have to find a way that works for you now I mentioned exercise but I'm gonna just quickly specifically talk about yoga because yoga for me has been such a powerful way of connecting with my body and same with pilates because it's so much more about movement rather than exercise and I think moving your body just engages mind to muscle in such a weird but wonderful way um and I think both I mean Pilates I think has a bit of rhetoric about like toning but yoga especially isn't really done to change your body which like going to the gym is primarily like most people going to the gym are trying to change their body it's just a unhappy truth so finding exercise that makes you connect with yourself is really important and lastly if these don't really work definitely if you can look into therapy because just like having a professional guide you towards a more positive body image can be really helpful and a necessary step if you have struggled with this for a long time so I hope you enjoyed um I'm gonna leave it there for today because I've spoken quite enough and you're probably sick and tired of my voice by now so if you enjoyed this little episode be sure to what did I say last time hit the notification bell yes or follow the podcast oh god that's so cringe but yeah you can follow the podcast if you want um because I post every week on a Wednesday um so yeah that's about it I hope you have a good week and yeah I'll see you next time I guess bye for now